Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to, to gather together and to set your word before us and to think about what you have said, what your word says about itself and about its authority and about how we are to think about that and about how we are to know that this is God's word and about the extent, the canon that is there as we talked about last week and, and other things. And so, Father, I, I, I pray that you will help us this morning. We know how important this is to have that sense inside each one of us, no matter how young or how old, uh, that this is the Word of God. This has come from your lips, and we are to take it and to receive it as that. And then recognize it, it is authoritative in our lives, and, and make sure, therefore, that it is. And uh, so we may go over things today that people have struggled with or, or have not really thought about uh, in the past, and so I, I pray that you'll bring understanding uh, and help us to fit these things together, help us to remain in your truth uh, as well. Uh, we thank you uh, for bringing us together. We do pray for those, Lord, who are not with us this morning. We we lift up Jim uh, to you, Jim Escudere, and, and uh, thank you that he's been able to get some diagnosis there, and we pray that it is a right diagnosis, and that he's able to get some help with his pain, uh, severe pain that he's been in with his neck. Uh, we also pray for Bill Sullivan, uh, and uh, uh, Kelly, as they travel uh, over the, today and over the next few days, uh, and we just pray for their safety. We pray that you would watch over them. Uh, Father, we pray for others who are traveling, for the Mueller's and uh, others who are away for different reasons. We lift them up to you. Thank you, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we did cover last week section one, or paragraph one and paragraph two. So we covered what you'll see, general and special revelation, and we covered the canon of Scripture, and we also talked about briefly, I, I, I think, we talked about as part of the canon of Scripture, it really fits into that, but paragraph three is about the Apocrypha, uh, and, but we didn't, we didn't actually read the paragraph. Again, if you don't have a, a book, you're going to need, need that book, so if you can turn to... It'll say chapter, uh, well, it's under chapter one, it's paragraph three, number three, that starts off the books commonly called Apocrypha. Uh, so, and, and we're just going to briefly talk about this. Um, I've got a note there that says the Apocrypha were written during the intertestamental period. Anybody want to uh, say when that was? When was the intertestamental period? You can break that word apart kind of figure it out. About 400 years before the birth of Okay, so there was a period of, of silence, uh, uh, if you will, from the Lord. Now, we would say that, and as we read this paragraph, you'll, say that, you'll see that we would say that strongly. There was this period of silence. The Lord didn't speak from one of his prophets uh, during that time. So for about 400, uh, you know, maybe 430 years, or, but 400 is a, a, a good number there. So between the Old Testament and the New, uh, we've got this time uh, time period. Uh, during that time, there there, there were some writings that uh, came out. And that's what we're talking about here. These writings called the Apocrypha. Um, and why don't we go ahead and read that paragraph? This 
as we read it, notice what it says about how we should hold the Apocrypha. Should we hold it as part of the canon of Scripture? It, it leaves no doubt, <laughs> this, uh, this paragraph. Uh, so, Will, you want to read that uh, paragraph 3? The books commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration, are no part of the canon of the Scripture, and therefore are no authority in the Church of God, nor to be any any otherwise approved or made use of than other human writings. Okay, like, like I said, I don't think this leaves any doubt. Uh, if you look at the, the no's and the nots here, the book's commonly called Apocrypha. It's, it's, there, there are 14 books generally that are seen there. Uh, some would hold you know, a slightly different number, but 14 not being of divine inspiration are no part of the canon of Scripture and therefore are of no authority in the Church of God nor to be otherwise approved or made use of than other human writings. Did you get the message? I have a question. Well, yes. I have a 1400 Bible. Okay. King James Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's in there. Yes, okay. yes. Is there? Absolutely. Is there a reason why it was and then taken out? Or just, I mean, it was in, it's been included at various times in, uh, in, in different, the, the Apocrypha, these 14 books. They were never considered to be, in fact, uh, they're called uh, deuterocanonical books, which means kind of second level. Even the Roman Catholic Church that holds that this is part of part of Scripture, they hold them at a secondary level, <laughs> which is really interesting because they say this is the Word of God. Uh, you must adhere to it. But this is uh, different from the, the rest. And so at, over time, they have been held. And that's, and that's why this is in there, because there is this question that has arisen over time. And you will find them if you get a, a Certain Bibles, uh, you will find them in there. There are Protestant denominations that include these to some extent at some level, and that's why a statement like this is needed. Uh, when we look at the canon of Scripture, we know how important it is for us to to uh, not have something that God has has not intended in there, but to have all that God has intended in there. It's it's critically important. These had never met the, the other the, the tests that are there. We talked about some of those last week when we talked about the canon of Scripture. But they haven't uh, met those tests. Now, I will say that after, so at the Reformation, this, you know, again uh, was, was made clear by many that, uh, you know, Calvin and, and others held to this, that these should not be in there. Now, uh, Luther, my understanding is Martin Luther kind of struggled with this on, on these 14 books, and he kind of set them aside. I don't think he, he taught on them or anything like that, but uh, uh, but he did include them in some things. And so there, there was that question that was left there. Uh, now, But coming out of the Reformation, it was clear that you know, these are not part of authoritative scripture. But at the Council of Trent, which was the Roman Catholic uh, Church's response to the Reformation, so they came together and they said, we got a problem with the Protestant Reformation. Uh, and, and, and so we have to, to put things down in, in quote-unquote canon law. And they, in that, they've got a statement that, I think I'm saying this correctly, anathematizes anyone that does not accept the Apocrypha. What does that mean, anathematizes? Out of the church. <laughs> That's right. Condemned. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're a heretic. 
Uh, so we're all uh, heretics, but that's fine. Because, <laughs> as, as we'll talk about, the Roman Catholic Church uh, has, it, it, it truly has gone, uh, gone, and, and was, that was the purpose for the Reformation, gone uh, in a place in critical areas of salvation uh, where we cannot go. Um, so, uh, it, it, and I've got a note down there, the issue is uh, authority. And so this has at least four ways of saying they are of no authority to us. Now, notice though that last phrase, should we ever use the Apocrypha for anything? Or can we? Yeah. Yeah. You can read any any author. Right. You can read any other book. You can read the Apocrypha. <laughs> and, and we we use the writings of Irenaeus and uh, some of the other uh, early uh, writers. Uh, we use those. We don't use them as scripture, but we use them to help us to understand the culture of the early church and things like that. And so the Apocrypha can can be useful in that way. These fourteen books uh, in helping us to to know and to understand kind of the culture and. Uh, and what was being dealt with at that time, and just like we'd use other writings from that time period. Does that make sense? So we're, it, it, it makes that clear. It says, uh, nor to be otherwise approved or made use of than other human writings. And, uh, and so, so I would just say, if, if you do look at the table of contents of your Bible and happens to have the Apocrypha in it, then you need to just recognize and... and um, not make use of it. We do need to know what translation we're using, why we're using a particular translation, and uh, there. You know, that doesn't mean the rest of you know, any of the rest of what's in your Bible is uh, suspect at all. But uh, just that we are not to use the apocrypha. Um, a good reason. For it. And, and on that, yeah. I was just thinking about you know when we take our Bible, I mean, some of us have bare bones Bible, some of us have a study Bible, sure. and but even you know, knowing like the headings that are put in the Bible, those aren't inspired. They're not part of the inspired word of God. That's right. You know, and uh, and they can be helpful, but occasionally they might lead us to a conclusion about what this passage is about. You know, we kind of like read the heading and think, okay, this is going to be about this, and you know, the verses and the chapter numbers. Um, whereas in some of the Psalms. The, uh, the heading of some of those songs is there in the original text. You know, the, to the choir master according to the lilies, a master of the son of the Torah. Right, you know, right. So it's, it's helpful to know, you know, what in there is and isn't. And, and in this, I think that's helpful to distinguish them sometimes. And especially with study Bibles. That's a great point because study Bibles are extremely helpful, but the notes in a study Bible, right. well, they can they can help us if they're good, if they're right, <laughs> but um, but we need to be aware that's that's different. That's why it is it, it is good sometimes. Where's my Bible? Oh, there. It is. Uh, <laughs> they have a uh, they have a, a Bible that doesn't have the notes, and you just you just you know read. I, I will say I love this is just me, but I I, I love you probably heard this from me if you look the. If you got eyes that can see them, but the little bitty numbers here, especially the ESV, I think they've done a real good job with the uh, the cross references because they help us to know what we're going to be talking about uh, here shortly or further on when we talk about scripture that it's all one. 
it all fits together. That's why the cross-references are extremely hand, handy, helpful, but they're not authoritative. And so just because you find a cross-reference there that references another place in Scripture, uh, you can't say authoritatively that these two passages are saying the same thing. Okay, um, so just like Will said, uh, use it in the right way. So uh, Apocrypha, any, any other questions on that? Okay, um, I'm not going to read the, the names of the books, but you can find them anywhere in the 14 books that are there. Uh, so the next item is the authority of Scripture. Now I'll just let that resonate for a moment. The authority of, of Scripture. Uh, I think right away we should be able to tell this is probably a pretty important uh, um, paragraph. Let me just ask the the kids here. Uh, so why should you obey your parents? Anybody? Why should? Have you ever thought about that? Why should I? Obey my parents. <laughs> ah, you know that was exactly the answer I was looking for. So, me too. Who, who, who said that? Was that, <laughs> was that Sarah? <laughs> That's exactly right. It's because someone who is higher than than we are <laughs> as parents has given parents authority. Why should we? Obey all of us here. Uh, we can we can look at Joe on this. Why should we obey a, a police officer? It, it, you know, out that stops us. Uh, you know, we're out out and about. They keep us safe. Yeah, well, they keep us safe. That's exactly right. And they have the same answer as before, right? What authority? That's exactly right. They have authority over us in a certain realm, uh, and therefore we are to obey and. Uh, so as we look at this question of authority, uh, Scripture has a, a authority over us, we've got to make sure we understand this and that we accept it. Uh, that statement, that, that says the authority of Scripture, it's just a statement there. Do I receive this? Do I see it in the right way? Uh, do I take it to heart? Uh, just like a police officer might pull me over. And ask to see my license, my registration, and then ask other things, maybe get out and walk a line or something. Um, <laughs> not from experience over the past couple of nights or anything, but uh, uh, we need to obey that. Think through why, and the same is true with Scripture. This is um, extremely important. So the question there is, why should we obey Scripture? So let's look. Um, I don't have this one on the sheet. Uh, 1.4. It is pretty short, so it shouldn't be difficult to uh, to understand. Um, I'll, I'll read this. The authority of Holy Scripture, because of which it ought to be believed and obeyed, does not depend upon the testimony of any man or church but entirely upon God, its author, who is truth itself. Therefore, it is to be received because it is the word of God. So why should we obey Scripture? Because it has authority over us. 
That's exactly right. Because it has authority over it. And because it is, because of who it's coming from, right? Because of who. It has authority because it's coming from who? Sam, who's it coming from? From God. That's exactly right. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so we might ask the question, well, well why, therefore, uh, actually, there, there is a very obvious question that needs to be asked here. You, but that's not answered in this paragraph. Uh, what is that question? You, you get that? Because we're going to get to that question in a moment, but it's, I just got to mention it up front. How do you know it's God's word? How do you know it's God's word? That's exactly, isn't that key? Uh, that, that's key, very, that's absolutely necessary, so we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But uh, think about this. If we know for certain that God made us, and therefore, as a result, that he has authority over us, and then if we know something about God's word, that it is his word, then by deduction uh, we'll know that his word is our authority, that we must hear, we must listen we must obey. Turn to, uh, we've got it written down there, John 5, verse 24. So just one verse. John 5:24. And you'll notice one of the, if you get the SD, one of the headings there a little bit further along, uh, under ver- over verse 19 says the authority of the Son. So uh, the Book of John is, is one uh, that was written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. And so the Book of John has a lot to do with authority. So there it's talking about the authority of the Son. Um, can somebody read John 5, 24? Who's got the... Katie, can you read it? Yeah, John 5, 24. Okay, so whoever hears my word, the implication there is hears it, really hears it, and receives my word, and believes him who uh, who sent me has eternal life. So if you you hear, you receive, you believe, then you're you're under that word. Uh, you you believed, you received, and. Therefore, you're going to obey it because you see it for what it is. Uh, And so this is that connection between receiving, believing, and obeying that we see actually many places throughout Scripture. Um, So the Bible gives us this moral obligation to believe. What does that mean? It means that if, if we don't obey this, if we don't receive it and believe it and obey it, then... There's sin there. It's that straightforward. We have a moral obligation. So choosing not to believe is is sin. Um, The problem is that there's a lot that stands against God's authority in this world. Think about uh, Genesis chapter 3. What was it in Genesis chapter 3 that so clearly stood against God's authority? Satan. Satan. That's right. 
Uh, so in the garden, uh, clearly, uh, Satan stood and, and, and spoke lies to Adam and Eve. Uh, they were tempted. They followed. Um, in the world, uh, think about this phrase. Homosexuality is not sin. That's, that, that's wrong. That's standing against God's authority, right? Standing against what God has said uh, in his world. Uh, but some of that might not just be out there. It might be in here, and there are different examples that we can we we can find. I'm going to choose one that uh, that is seen in different ways within the church, in different ways of God's word. I think it's often seen, and I, maybe I can speak from my own heart here, but uh, because maybe sometimes we we want to see it differently. But the Sabbath is no longer binding. The Lord's day is no longer binding uh, upon us. Uh, there are those who would choose to to see things in Scripture in in that way, even though it's in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Uh, the Fourth Commandment. Um, but you know, again, there are all these things that that stand against it uh, against God's authority. Um, think about uh, with with Jesus uh, the. Right after he was baptized, remember the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for what? Temptation. Yeah, temptation to tempt him. Uh, and and what was it that Jesus used? Effective. Now Satan used the same, but in a wrong way. What was it that Jesus used? God's word. That's right. The Word of God, and He used it in an authoritative way. You remember, we could read that that, that passage, and uh, and he, he says, "It is written." <laughs> Period. You know, just those words. That was enough. It is written, uh, and and the implication was that all of creation must hear and obey. It is written, and so God's Word uh, has authority. Um, R.C. Sproul said this, Throughout history, the supreme attack of the world, the flesh, and the devil against godliness has been an attack on the authority of God's word. Uh, And that's a true statement. And so what we can expect, you can expect this uh, for the rest of your lives. Every time you, uh, in in a public forum, bring out a Bible or uh, speak words that are from the Bible, you can expect this and even within the church, uh, at times you can expect this some kind of attack, some kind of attack against uh, against scripture. Um, now it gets difficult because we need to interpret scripture. We need to interpret scripture in the in the right way. Uh, yet, uh, what we constantly see are these uh, these attacks that are made. Uh, name name some attacks that today attacks and kids can do this too. What are some attacks on God's word? Uh, that we can easily see in this world today, especially institutions that should be there to uphold <laughs> truth. Uh, where do we see these attacks taking place? Marriage. Marriage. Thank you. It's irrelevant. Absolutely. I mean, it's huge because uh, marriage, we, we go back to the very beginning. We talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it a little more this week in the, in, in the sermon. But is a building block for society. It really is. Uh, and that means for all of society, believers and unbelievers, and yet it's significantly under attack. So that's good. Other other places. 
Absolutely. And that, again, that's, it goes back to that foundational. Uh, yeah, he, he has made us male and female. Uh, two, <laughs> two genders. And, yeah, and it's clear. I mean, it, it's, it's almost insane if you think about it to, to think that we've lived this way for how many hundreds or, or thousands of years. Uh, and yet to think that there's another gender there. And so it's insane. Yet that's where the attack is today. And it's directly against God, and it's directly against His words. Uh, what, what's another, uh, maybe institution, any others? How about education? Yeah, big time. Education. You think about some of the, the higher education, about colleges and uh, universities, and uh, think back in the 1700s, 1800s, what some of these great uh, Ivy League uh, uh, universities that today uh, have taken this and, and, and thrown it out the window and stomped on it and everything else, and yet what were they? I mean, they with education was about learning Greek and Hebrew because those are the two original languages of the Bible, and, uh, and knowing who God is, knowing theology. Uh, wonderful. Any others? People just they just come to mind. Yeah. Creation itself, yes, and again it goes back to the school system, and uh, and we get evolution as okay. This is the way that all things are taking place. Uh, not only does it remove God's word, it removes God, and very conveniently, right? Therefore, what do we need to obey? Uh, ourselves, our own hearts, uh, whatever our hearts tell. So uh, again and again, we, we see see this. So in you look at that paragraph, just one more thing on, on paragraph four. Um, the authority of Scripture, because of which it ought to be believed and obeyed, does not depend upon the testimony of blank or blank, but entirely upon God, its author. So, so the question of uh, you know, what that authority of Holy Scripture depends upon is a really important or, or what, what that authority depends upon is really important. Now, um, I've got a few different perspectives down there. The, uh, the first one says RC. I'm sorry, I used shorthand. Somebody got up the other day, I used uh, TOC, Table of Contents. Everybody knows that, right? Uh, what's, what's RC? Roman okay, good. Roman Catholic. Use the letter D, scroll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be R.C. Sproul. That's right. Uh, so this is not R.C. Sproul's perspective. It's a Roman Catholic uh, perspective. Where does the Roman Catholic Church say that final authority really lies? Pope. Right, the Pope. In other words, within the Church, within that hierarchy, uh, within the Church. And so, you know, where there's a question of what Scripture is really saying, or or even to speak outside of Scripture and say this is, uh, you know, this is the case. That comes from who? It comes from the Pope. It comes from the bishops. It comes from the church speaking. And so they've, they've tried to draw that out of God's Word, that, that God has ordained this group uh, and has said that they are authoritative. Um, I, I'll just ask a question. Why, why might that be attractive to a top-down kind of governmental structure? Any thoughts? And get get the people under you to do whatever you want, right? Uh, that is it, and and therefore that's that's something to look for 
no matter what, um, in you know, as, as we live our lives uh, within the church, um, because the same can be true in Protestant church, can it? You know, the pastor preaches, the pastor seems to have authority. So whatever the pastor says goes apart from Scripture, it can morph into that very easily. Uh, and, or, or, you know, or some other figure within the, the church who's important. Yeah. Right, right. Yes, and, and often without doing the legwork of showing where, you know, so we said to do this or, or, or whatever, showing that it's in in Scripture, so that Scripture holds that authority, not the church itself, but you're exactly right. That's something to, to watch out for. And then what, what happens if Scripture is no longer that foundation that people turn to? What happens then? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, uh, man is in charge. And just to uh, add to what Bill said there, um, it, uh, we, um, you'll have denominations that will say, yeah, the Bible is our authority. You know, we, we submit to the scriptures. But then you look at their whole approach to reading the scriptures, and uh, you'll hear things like, Oh well, that doesn't make sense to me, mm. or you know, I can't get my head around that, and so then they end up uh, standing as judge over the scriptures, which is clearly saying things, whether it be about marriage or you know, women in authority or homosexuality or the Sabbath, or and you know, it, it, it doesn't feel right to them, or you know, they just they can't get their head around how there can be a trinity. And so then they say this is the scripture, you know, this is the authority, but in practice, um, they stand as judge over what the scripture is clearly teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, again, something constantly to, to watch out for. Uh, is this upheld as the authority? And that, that gets us to the next one. Uh, know the answer to that. Reform perspective. Uh, you know, what is, what is authority? What is authoritative? It's, it's Scripture, God speaking uh, through Scripture. Now, when I say those words, listen to how I say it. God speaking through Scripture. That could be taken in the wrong way. And it gets us to the next, uh, what's, it was called neo-Orthodox. I don't know if uh, anybody has heard of Karl Barth before. He's, he's a very uh, kind of important figure historically. Looking back uh, early 1900s, late 1800s, a lot of this uh, neo-orthodoxy was um, and it, number one it, it, it doesn't agree neo-orthodoxy didn't agree that the Bible is the word of God but it said this and think about we're, we can easily fall into this today it said that the Bible becomes the word of God as we read it as we come to it. So it's it's not the Word of God, but when we read it, when we study it together, maybe in a group, when it's preached, right then it becomes the Word of God. What's the problem with that? 
And he thought, what? Us. It, it's coming from us. That's exactly right. And therefore, what one person may think, you ever been in a Bible study like this, you kind of go around the table, uh, and, and it's easy to fall into this, but how do you read this? Okay, yeah, that, that's true. The next person. Well, how do you read it? Oh, yeah, I see that too. That's true, and it's something that's, that's very different. Uh, but they, it, it's becoming the Word of God to that person. In other words, uh, the authority that they have is in mind and heart uh, as it comes to the Word. And the, the problems with that are, are obvious. There's this, they would say, existential encounter with the Word as it's, as it's read, as it's encountered. Uh, so again, the authority ultimately is in man, uh, just like with uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, we will, as we go through further, we'll get some of those foundational principles. We'll come to them that help us to see foundational principles such as the word has one meaning. Uh, so you go to a passage. It doesn't, it can't have one meaning for this group of people, another meaning for this group. Uh, there is one meaning as we go through. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, all of this, as we talk about authority, leads to that, that last question there, which gets us in the next section, which is, uh, how important for us, is it for us to know with certainty that all of Scripture is God's Word? Because this is what we deal with, right? And so, uh, a preacher preaches, or um, if we read, we're a part of a study group, and we, and we read a, a passage, and all of a sudden we see... Uh, our own sin exposed. We see we've been headed down this path. We see God's word says that is sin. You've got to go down this path, and that's that's the only right way. Then we've got to decide what to do with that, right? Is it an authority in my life? Am I going to walk in obedience to it, or am I going to find some justification because that's what we'll do and and go my own way, continuing my own way? And that's that's where uh, where it becomes difficult because not only are they out there, whether it's the Roman Catholic Church, Neo Orthodox, uh, whoever, not only are they turning things around so that it's ultimately you know man man has the authority, but we do that as well. We've got to recognize that and come to see this for what it is. Uh, and so so the the question that becomes real important is is that next one. Uh, how do we know for certain? Um, and, and without reading through that paragraph, paragraph five, uh, without reading through it, you might ask yourself that question. You might say, well, how do I know? If somebody were to come up to me and ask me, uh, well, how do you know that that's God's word? How would you answer that question? That's, that's an important sort of investigation to do. I, I do think some might come away with the answer. Uh, they've known the Lord. They've walked with the Lord for years. And they might come away with the answer that I just know. And, and I'll tell you, there's a sense in which uh, that can be a right answer because they haven't thought through it. Uh, um, we do need uh, to have an answer to that. Uh, but there, there can be a sense in which uh, that can be right. But on the other hand, there can be a sense in which, you know, anybody can say that. Uh, I just know. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, we, we, this, this paragraph we need, in fact, I, this is, um, some would say, 
that uh, this paragraph 1.5 is uh, the most important paragraph uh, in the most important chapter, in the most important confession that's ever existed. <laughs> Uh, that it's that valuable. Uh, some would say that, and, and I would. I, I would point to this as being, you know, kind of at the heart of the confession. What what uh, is is truly uh, very helpful. Um, I'll, I'll just ask the kids here a couple of questions. How important is this Bible for the kids? How important is this in your life? I like that. Two varies. Okay, we got two. Anybody want to raise it to three? Very very important. Very very good. <laughs> okay, you got it. Uh, now, should we trust it? Yes. yes. Okay, now we're going to talk about why. How do we know? How do we know that, uh, that this comes from the one who has all authority, the one who made us, that this uh, is, in fact, God's word? And that's what this paragraph is uh, about. So let's, let's read, well, I guess... Unless you want the, the uh, modern English uh, version there, which only changes a couple of words. You can look at the, the, uh, the words that I've got there. I kind of tried to lay them out so that uh, it makes it clear what is being said by this paragraph. Um, let, me, let me read for us. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church. To an high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture. And the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God. The full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other incomparable excellencies, and the entire perfection thereof. Our arguments whereby it does abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God. Yet notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. There's a paragraph in the in the uh, confession that I think is worth either memorizing or at least knowing well, reading over often. I would say this is this is a, a wonderful place to turn because of what we talked about earlier, the authority of Scripture, uh, and 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 the way it gets applied to us. We need to know the answer to this question. How do I know that this is the Word of God so that I know that it is authoritative uh, in in my Life. Um, now, all those, you know, the ones that are broken out, heavenliness and matter, efficacy of the doctrine, all of those are what we call evidence. In fact, I'm using the word evidence, whereby it does abundantly evidence itself. That's This is evidence, like you find in a court room, right? Uh, and so, uh, the, the, uh, the one that's accused has said that they didn't do it, uh, the prosecution comes in and says, you did? Uh, now here's how we're going to verify that. These are the witnesses to the truth, and they lay out the evidence, right? Uh, and so what we've got here is evidence that's laid out. How can you know this is the Word of God? This is the evidence that's laid out uh, for us. And we can see as you go through, uh, it's, it's abundant 
evidence is plentiful. Uh, and we're going to go through this briefly. We may not get to the end. I mean, we may come back to this next week. But uh, but kind of the point there is there's lots of it. And as we go through, I hope you'll see that uh, this is significant evidence. And it should be significant in our lives. But let me say up front those important words there, uh, yet notwithstanding. Uh, well, I'll just say at this point that... <laughs> They're saying that that's not enough. The evidence isn't enough. And in fact, reading between the lines here, but they're saying that evidence is never enough, not for any single person upon the earth. That evidence is not enough to convince a person truly so that they set themselves under God's Word and so that they obey it, so that they see it for what it truly is, as being the Word of God. Uh, evidence is not enough. So that's, that's where we're headed uh, we need something additional, and you'll see that in the next couple of uh, lines there. Critical. Um, but uh, let's kind of work through some of this evidence there. And, and first of all, before we get to the evidence, notice that we just said in paragraph 1-4, what did we say about the church? Did we say that the church is able to be the authority itself alone? No, we said not. We said that's what the Roman Catholic Church holds. But even though we said that, notice what it begins with here. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church. That's what it's talking about. Uh, testimony, and, and this is not just talking about the church today. Notice, this is talking about the church uh, over the history of the church. We may be moved and induced to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture, to, to uphold it and to uh, to respect it, uh, to see it as, as being something really significant. And I will say there are those who are not believers. You see many commentators out there who clearly are not believers in the Lord Jesus. Uh, you can see they're not of faith, but you can see they hold this, and, and they hold church history and all that's been done with it to a high and reverent esteem. Amazing as it can be, not a believer, but holding this is very important, uh, as, as critical for themselves, for other people, um, but we need to see that uh, for ourselves. But it's not the authority, um, but it does play a big role. Um, and as we get to the evidence, uh, so heavenliness of the matter, there are a number of ways to... Uh, to see this, I'll just speak about a couple for me. I'll open the floor if you've you got some others for you. But uh, number one, the, the Bible teaches a, a plan of salvation and of, of, of ethics uh, that human wisdom couldn't come up with. Uh, about salvation, about how we're saved, that fit with who we are as people, uh, that, that just mesh with who we see ourselves to be. and and what we need, and, and, and all that, and, and the ethics and everything that's there, that human wisdom has never been able to come up with. Uh, another thing for me, and I, I'll just tell you, this is whether it's for me uh, in you know, preaching uh, God's Word, or somebody else that, that, that I'm sitting under, and I, I hear the Word preached week after week after week after week, kind of walking through a book of the Bible, or through uh, many books of the Bible, and I, I just hear it preached, uh, yet there's, there's always this sense 
that it doesn't really begin to kind of plumb the depths of the Word. I, I will tell you, when I prepare uh, to preach a sermon on a passage, that my biggest trouble that I have often is figuring out how to... I've got to leave a whole lot of stuff out that's, that's important, that's needed. And I can't fit it into that, that, you know, that time that, that we have. Uh, and it's, it's important, but I end up leaving a whole lot out. And how is it that week after week after week and just continues on and we never plumb, begin to plumb the depths of this? And I can't fully explain it except that it is the Word of God and it is what we need. Now that's, that's getting to the evidence. That's not saying anything authoritative here, but it's saying you know, the heavenliness of the matter. It's amazing. Uh, other others that would just say, you know, there's, there's a way that I've been able to see, uh, and again, this is just evidence, that I've been able to see, wow, this is, this is amazing. Um, any, any that come to mind? Uh, otherwise, I'm going to have us turn to a passage. Turn to Psalm 19. Now, Psalm 19, we went over it uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, in... Uh, um, in praise and prayer. Just uh, listen to these words. Psalm 19, we're going to begin in verse 7, go through 11. Uh, just read uh, through some of these these words here. Uh, who's got it? One of you guys want to read? Yeah, Jacob, you got it? So Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7. 7 through, seven through 11, yeah. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is true, making me wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing and The commandment of the Lord is light in the eyes. The fear of the Lord is true, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, and much fine gold. Sweet also than they and the droopings of the land. Moreover, by them, her servant is born, and keeping them, they are grateful. Okay, remember the heavenliness of the matter. Uh, yeah, reviving the soul, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes, and on and on and on. More to be desired are they than, than fine gold. You know, it's just something that's chosen, that's extremely valuable. Uh, but uh, this, this, it's so needed by us. And moreover, by them is your servant warned. Well, what's warned? Why, why do we need the warning? Well, there's salvation that's at stake. Uh, you know, so the heavenliness of the matter. Um, and we could go on and on uh, as we think about uh, you know, the Word of God. But thank you. That's, that's just one uh, passage we can look at. Um, if you look at the next one there, and, and we're going to have to... I hate to stop on you know in the middle of this one, but um, we'll come back um, and finish it up next week. But uh, the efficacy of the doctrine. Now that that word efficacy, you can think of the word efficient. It's basically saying it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. Turn since you got your Bibles open. Turn to Second Timothy near the end of the Bible. Second Timothy three. Uh, verses 16 and 17. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And as we look at this, think about this 
that that God's word accomplishes what it sets out to. It does the work that's necessary, that's needed. Uh, here's you can read what Paul has to say there about uh, about scripture. And who's got that? Great, clear. Thank you. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And of course, that's the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, and, and you know, and, and how? Well, by uh, you know, teaching by reproof, by correction, training in righteousness—all all of these things the Scripture does. But that we may be not just better, but just yeah, pretty good, complete. Uh, it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. Um, and also, the the power to to do that is there as well. As we're submitting to the Scriptures and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, then we. You know, we're, we're, we're temples of the Holy Spirit, and He's working in us that we may work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so we're, we're equipped not just with the knowledge outwardly, but uh, but with the presence of God with us as we go through this life. That's a great point, uh, because what we need is power when it comes down to it. That's what we need in life is power. The power is here. It's in God's Word. We always need to remember that. It's not in the style of the preacher or the teacher. It's not in uh, you know, how eloquent uh, they are. The power is in the message. Uh, so that's what we need. And so that's why we should be hungry if, if we go somewhere and, and God's Word is not there. I'm sorry. I've got to have this. That's where there's power. Because otherwise we can be motivated. There, there are all kinds of uh, speakers out there that will you know, give you motivation and all that kind of but in the end, do nothing for you. This has power. Uh, power for salvation. Um, let me read, uh, this is just another verse, out of Isaiah uh, uh, 55. This may sound familiar to some, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, giving it, uh, making it bring forth and sprout, bringing seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word has power. And that's what we need. Um, okay, and you can look through the rest of these. I just encourage us. It's uh, it's 1030 We'll stop here. We will come back to this. It, it's important that we go through it. And I just want to make this point before we depart from here. What we're going through now are the evidences. Okay? And the whole well, part of the point here is that the evidences are tremendous. And they should be enough to convince anybody to be proof that this is God's Word. As you go through it, there should be no doubt. There, it should be enough for anybody but it's not. It's never enough. Why? Why is that? Well, because uh, you're, you're only, even if you have all the evidence, just as a, as a finite man trying to evaluate evidence, there could always be something that I don't know about. And so, uh, you know, you, you can never arrive at an absolute 100%. I mean, 
okay, you get up to 90% certain, or 95% certain. But that's not enough for faith. Uh, it's not like, okay, I, you know, I've come to this conclusion, and so I'm going to do this. That, that's not... Because faith is casting yourself unreservedly upon Christ. And, and obeying. That requires 100%. Yeah. And so I need a very authoritative witness to, to tell me that this is God's And there's one other thing that's standing in the way. So that's so true. Yeah, and same thing that Romans says uh, when it talks about uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we can hear all the evidence, uh, but we're dead in our sins and trespasses, spiritually dead. We can't, we can't bring ourselves to it. And so it can amaze us, and that's why you'll see these wonderful, we've got great gifts, commentators, that, that just open up scripture and all the meaning of the culture and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and and yet, they're not convinced enough for it to cause them to submit their lives to it. Uh, they see it. They see the evidence. But they, but, but it doesn't have to take effect because of, because of that. Uh, you know, spiritually, we are dead. So keep that in mind. That's why that yet notwithstanding must be there. That's why it's so important and the things that it says after that. Uh, and we will go through that uh, next week. We'll talk about what that really means as it talks about the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the Word in our hearts. That whole uh, section there is, uh, is of great importance to us. Well, also, uh, I do want to go through, uh, so you can look at these and, and jot down your own thoughts. If you'd like, that would be really great. Uh, majesty of the style, what is that? Consent of all the parts, scope of the whole. Uh, to give all glory to God. Uh, and then that, uh, you know, full discovery, the only way of man's salvation. Uh, incomparable excellencies, entire perfection. Can't get much better than that, right? Perfection. Thereof. Uh, so look at look at those, get a chance. But uh, no homework per, per se, I guess. But, uh, all right. Why don't we uh, go ahead and close. And Will, would you mind closing? Sure. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for uh, your word and the opportunity to uh, consider and use professional uh, here to help us in considering just what it is and why it has authority in our lives. And we um, thank you for that because we know that there's great freedom in the authority that it provides for us and life.